Hello and welcome to episode 24 of Entertainment of Excellence, the podcast where we talk about films, TV, all of it. Hi, I'm Ollie. I'm Tom. And I'm Ben. And today we're going to be talking about the 2014 film Nightcrawler. This will contain spoilers. Okay, so uh, we just watched Nightcrawler, and I'm going to do the plot summary, even though I've got a cold, because Ben and Ollie are uh, terrible people. Um, uh-huh. <laughs> so it's it's about this guy, Lou, Lou Bloom, uh, who decides to become a freelance journalist, and he works at night and will just film try and find crimes that are happening and sell it to a, a local news station and it's kind of like his as he improves through it but also becomes more and more morally dodgy until kind of like the climax at the end where now there are spoilers so go watch it which you know it leads in his partner dying and he him just like filming as he dies uh and then the police kind of investigate him to see if he withheld evidence, which he did, and it's suggested he just gets away with it because it finishes with him with now two vans and giving a speech to some new interns. Yeah. It's it's very... I think we all really enjoyed it. It was great. I loved it. Yeah. Yeah, it was one of those films where you could go away like... You didn't have to think about it too much. You just went away knowing that it was good. I did think about it though. (laughs) I mean, well, I I don't say it's. I don't mean like you didn't think about it. Yeah. Like, but like it wasn't like a particularly, like, it it wasn't like at the level of uh, I'm thinking of ending things or anything. It just made you question a little bit about the protagonist's morality and a lot of the themes that were brought up because of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I just thought the whole concept in general was just really interesting because it's like an untold story that you never really think about, but with a unique take on it. Yeah. Yeah. I really... It was, like, really gripping. The thriller kind of genre came through. It's not really entirely a thriller, but I was definitely never bored like this is one of the films i've been the most engrossed in i just it was really good just couldn't look away and which is kind of the feeling i think it's supposed to get because you know the theme of showing extreme violence on the news and the whole draw of that is that people also just can't really look away from that so there's a lot of things there and i think there's quite a lot to take away from it as well as it just being a really exciting film because it has a really hard critique of uh the media like the news corporations and how they operate and kind of deals with 
important issues in a way, which is quite cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's able to do that in an entertaining style, as you say, without having to think too much about it, but then there is something to analyse to an extent. I think for me, I definitely, it it wasn't boring, obviously. It was It was always really entertaining. The only part where I felt it dragged slightly was maybe like, the middle with the montages and i think that it it got slightly repetitive just in comparison to like just because of the final um like the final recording he does in the well not the final scene but like the when rick dies that was just so engrossing and i just couldn't look away i mean it was the same even before that with the when he gets to the robbery before the police arrive there that's such a tense scene as well yeah and he kind uh, of wa- mean, like... he watches one of them die and then says that no they were all dead when he got there yeah i really enjoyed all of that and just with like the car crashes and stuff it just got slightly repetitive yeah yeah, yeah oh, were... i kind of i actually quite liked the montage i don't know why i just i think i really just enjoyed seeing the two characters because uh, I guess it can be on to like Jake Gyllenhaal in this is really good. Uh, he he does really well at kind of playing this at first charming sociopath who will just do anything to try and succeed. He'll you know he tries to work his way to the top and has a weird thing of saying that like anyone at the top w- was never just dropped there. They uh, had to work their way up, which you could argue about, but it kind of just that whole thing makes him really ruthless and will do anything including it seems like uh murdering his partner for a good shot yeah because that in that scene uh he basically tells his partner to go and get a good shot but he can clearly see from where he is that the shooter is there and and the shooter ends up well, c- killing his partner, and his the uh, I keep saying his partner. I've forgotten his name. Rick. That was it. Rick. Yeah. As Rick's yeah. dying, um, he's just like getting his camera out and getting a good shot. And uh, th- the whole film deals with like the lack of morality in, I suppose, the news media. But like, as it's sort of amplified into. Like any any kind of corruption is just sort of centered into the, his one character, and it's it's that's not to say that everyone else isn't corrupt, but he's sort of like a caricature. But I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean that he's like the personification of everything that's sort of wrong with uh, the n- corruption in news media. Yeah, yeah. because one of the interesting themes that I liked was kind of the news director uh, talking about that the stories they need uh, is urban crime seeping into suburbia, uh, preferably like committed by uh, poor people and minorities. Yeah. So it can kind of show that, you know, these typically older, because it is, you know, it was 2014, so people were, still mainly get or well, they were now mainly getting their news off the internet so mainly older audience and it can kind of you it's 
irresponsible in a way because it's can fuel uh even if it might may be implicit bias but you know still kind of fuels those racist ideas and kind of puts the blame on the news so like a particular thing is when the home invasion it turns out that the family were or the the house was storing like loads and loads of drugs they didn't want to report on that because that takes away from the fact that these poor innocent rich family was murdered by a couple of uh latino men yeah yeah and there are um, a couple of times thing... go on Oh, I was just going to say, going back to Lou, what I really found interesting about his character arc was that he he progressively becomes more cynical and like self-centred and willing to sacrifice everything to get the best story or the best footage. But at the same time, there's always, like, I think it's the final line in the film is something like, I would never tell you to do something that I wouldn't be willing to do myself. And there yeah. is always that feeling that he like he so Rick is killed but at the same time you'd think that Lou would also be willing to do that because he gets so dedicated and he's just so like diligent but in a weird way yeah the only reason I think he like made Rick do that was because Rick was available I guess and he was trying to get a shot if he didn't have a partner i I wouldn't he would have definitely done that i think and yeah and he's also like able to exploit people who are vulnerable to an extent because they don't have a job and you see at the start he almost embraces that because he uh is like he steals the watch right at the start of the film and that he that's always with him the rest of the film it's like a reminder of his own own past and he's sort of using that to his advantage to to grant internships and lower wages. Yeah. It's... I think uh, I think he as a character is a very interesting study into I guess sociopathy because um well the interesting way he was able to go from basically no one to putting on this air, this persona of someone who's incredibly professional. And I think a great scene that uh, exemplifies this is when he was recruiting Rick. Um, when, like, only, like, five, ten minutes before, he was uh, pretty much... Well, he wasn't homeless, but he, was, he didn't have a job. Um, and he wasn't successful. He was living in his apartment, uh, like a small apartment. Um but then when he's recruiting Rick, he's able to put on this air of some big uh, news presenter, sorry, um, like the head of this video company. And it, he's obviously making Rick think that like what he's walking into is a much bigger opportunity than just like one freelancer who's hiring an assistant. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and, and you the start way to see that he's able, yeah, he's able to capitalize on the what he's learned from uh, being in this industry because um, one of the most memorable scenes, in my opinion, was when he like confronts the person working at the news, saying like demanding that he has choice over the money he gets and he has his own 
company and it's it's like referencing him on the news so he's able to gain control even though at the start he's in like quite a vulnerable position yeah and he's sort of he's sort of manipulating the chief editor um called nina throughout the whole film because at the start it seems very much that she's in control because he's a simple freelancer who's just trying to give uh his footage to whoever's going to pay him um and she's just like no you're you're not getting a thousand for this i'm giving you 250 max um but then throughout the film it shows you sort of see that he's worming his way into like getting control over her um and like obviously this this sort of reaches a, a climax with that scene you mentioned where he sort of uh, he sort of explodes and is like, no, I, this is going to make or break your station. You need to give me this amount of money. I get control over how much I want. I get credited on the news. I want to be introduced to all of your superiors so I can make my own connections. Um, and she ultimately agrees. And this might, and this is mainly just because like he is undoubtedly getting like incredibly good footage and their ratings are sort of sliding a bit. Um, and so he, and he, he also says himself that he's like single-handedly raised the price of, um, of footage because he's getting such good shots. And then there's, there's also this weird scene where he sort of tries to get her on a date. Um, but what he's really kind of doing is he's looking for... Well, he basically wants a physical relationship. Um, and in return for that, he's not going to leave them and keep providing them with footage. So he's he's sort of like... He's, he's like sexually manipulating her. And that's... That's like a thing that often happens on the in, in the television industry. So it's uh, it, it's a very good critique, I think, of a lot of yeah. the corruption that goes on behind the screen. Yeah, um, and I just want to say that like Louis is such so good as like a terrifying presence that he he always becomes a boogeyman. Like the ominous moment where he's kind of filming the guy of the rival freelance journalist uh, like mayhem something and he's just kind of filming him as he's bleeding out and being brought onto an ambulance and this guy just stares up at him. it's just oh like, yeah. that really ominous uh, overtones and also moments where like because there's this scene where he kind of freaks out and smashes the mirror and it kind of shows his potential and it's like the weird subtle ways he threatens people like threatening rick with you have no idea if he like just talking about beating him up or killing him when he says uh if you don't do what i ask i may have to resort to like physical means or something oh yeah yeah but he's he's able to be he's always has that frightening presence but at the same time he's as we've been saying he's such a complex character i've got this, this character development is probably one of my favourite that I've seen recently and I think he's definitely deserving of like Oscar nominations for his 
performance. Mm. Mm. Which you didn't get, <laughs> unfortunately. <No. laughs> yeah. Oh, well, I guess, yeah, the characters are very interesting. Um, but also, I guess, I guess, to a lesser degree, because it's not the most... It's not the most technically outstanding film. There have been lots of other comparable films I could think would be would have more um would have better cinematography and, and well not better cinematography but more noticeably better cinematography. Um but this this film was sort of more subtle in the way it used camera work. But there was one um there's one interesting scene that uh, a couple of people on Reddit picked up on um where he's describing what a good shot is to Rick um he's saying something like it doesn't just bring the viewer into the scene it blurs the line between uh being in the scene and being out of the scene and whilst he's describing this the shot of him on the film that you're watching is a perfect example of this and there are a lot of similar th things throughout the movie so this idea that it blurs the line between the subject on screen and the viewer who's watching it i think that's that was very effective and the filmmakers definitely were trying to do that consciously yeah because the the reason he's able to become so successful is like he doesn't really have that um, moral understanding of what would be deemed acceptable. He sort of is trying to, in a strange way, present an intimate moment of like someone's last moments or really distraught. And it, it's meant to like the audience are meant to really feel like they're in the moment. And also, well, you could maybe say that a lot of what he captures is like overly cinematic to an extent but it i see the sort of like you have to look at the cinematography of both the film but then also him because in a way in a way it's like he's also making a well not a film but he's also filming stuff yeah the, yeah there was a lot of stuff towards the beginning of the film where he was trying to go into crime scenes and get really good shots but the police had to keep like pushing him back because he'd be getting in the way of stuff and he i don't think he was being malicious there i think he just simply did not understand that it wasn't acceptable for him to be shoving a camera right into a, a victim's face and then when he gets a little bit more of an understanding and sort of keeps his distance but he still tries to get those same shots um and when he ends up selling them to the station there's like Obviously, Nina, the chief editor, is quite corrupt, but there's this other editor who's throughout the film sort of like what you'd expect. Um, you'd be like, so the view, so he's like the moral compass, basically. He's saying, like, no, that's wrong. Like, it's legal, but is that ethically right for you to be doing? Are you allowed to be showing this? Um, especially in like the house robbery uh the house shooting um they do end up airing the footage of the people who'd been shot um they blurred out the faces but he was saying before they made that decision that 
you know, they should be contacting the victims' families first and they should be checking that it's all right with them rather than just going ahead and showing this without any regard for the consequences it might have. Um, yeah, because one of the most controversial things about that scene is that he got there before the police and didn't report it. And I know that something that stood out to me quite a lot was when you see the behind the scenes of the news broadcast, Nina's in the ear constantly reiterating like, oh, make sure you emphasise that um, this was like unprovoked. This was, uh, everyone could experience the same thing. Everyone's in a precarious position in terms of crime in the area and then that's the appeal she realizes a target audience and she's sort of able to exploit that fear that viewers have yeah hmm. there's some interesting things other than like criticizing the media i think it kind of you could say that it criticizes like consumer culture as a whole or or even maybe even all of capitalism damn because it kind of talks about like obviously there's people consuming you know these images of people's final moments and that people they will probably pay more for kind of more visceral and detailed images uh or whatever but also it kind of shows the power that someone with a lot of money can have so as Lou gets more money he basically you know use it to almost extort <laughs> or I, I don't know how to explain it but it, it, it's his power over Rick is from his money because Rick is kind of you know he's homeless and he just needs anything he just needs any job and that's why uh, he can have Rick's job being like directing him to places while he's driving a hundred miles per hour down a tiny road and Rick's not gonna complain. Yeah, and yeah, it's kind of has that theme of money equaling to power. So it's the same at the start. How Lou isn't very doesn't have much power with negotiate with people or anything because he's just starting out. And uh, and even at the start, show that he doesn't he can't be hired because he's a criminal because he's not got any money. Uh, and then the more money he gets, the more power he has over people, you know, eventually being able to try and force a relationship with the news director and uh, having Rick, like, just do the trick of saying that Rick can set his own salary because he knows that Rick will aim low. It's yeah. Just kind of that kind of stuff because it's got the theme, you know, if Rick does something that will upset Lou, then he could lose all of his income and go back out on the street so I think that, that was quite an interesting theme yeah the idea of like authority because of, of money is something that you definitely see at the end as well because um, like you see these new recruits are all eager and naive to an extent and you can see that he's able because he's got this aura of uh, being successful and they want to replicate that then they'll sort of believe whatever he says and he's able to project that corruptness that he has yeah <clears throat> there's she talked talk about the soundtrack because the soundtrack I, I really liked it the kind of 
It has like soaring ambient guitars at points. There was one moment where I think it was an intense scene and it, it had like the Breaking Bad vibe of the um, kind of percussion, the like, speedy percussion and stuff. So that was cool. And it said that the kind of triumphant orchestral noises were used with Lou when he was like when he's moving a dead body to get a better shot and things like that they use a more triumphant tone because it's supposed to be what Lou might be hearing in his head the music which is so you know it's like a sign of his potential for for his success while he's doing these vile things to get you know just a good shot yeah yeah so in that regard the the music's very telling of his own uh, like being a sociopath and not caring about others and just favoring the shots over like morality yeah There's definitely a lot more to talk about, but I'm 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 struggling to think of things. <laughs> yeah, there's oh, there's so many. I'm trying to like, did it? Did I say that I actually like the montage? Yeah, I did. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. I mean, I didn't oh, no. hate the montage, but I just felt that it was a lot of sort of lower scale, uh, innocuous to an extent. Um, tasks well not tasks but like events that he was capturing at the start and i just felt it it got a little bit repetitive when he turned up and they'd, they'd be the rival person there and they'd be like oh i got the footage first but i, I understand yeah. that that's that's necessary to understand this progression and understand why he's able to get to the point where he's in control and he's the one that's dictating his salary yeah uh, I, I really I just remembered the the opening of kind of like it was just a few minutes of really wide shots of Los Angeles and the soundtrack for that fit really well too yeah to, which established the mood uh well and also kind of the colors that's used it has a quite a similar color palette it's like saturated colors it's a bit like drive I've seen people comparing it to um it's it's a really cool look i think it's quite a unique looking film with just the uh color scheme and the way everything's shot which yeah. i usually i i did re really like the way it looked that was part of you know the way it drew you in and the editing usually fit that there was just one point where uh i think it, it was might be enjoying that last kind of few you know the last 20 minutes during like the, the car chase where I think it like cut to a shot while while Lou was still on the street filming it cut to a, like a side shot of the criminals getting in a car and I just thought it was weird to not just fully use the camera footage that they were getting because that seemed more consistent so that, yeah. that's like only one of the uh, yeah. one of the few criticisms I've got of it is maybe it could have been a bit more consistent yeah I mean, we've mentioned Gyllenhaal's performance, but just looking at some of the trivia, he, he was obviously very dedicated to the role. Like, apparently, he um, lost £20 to visualise Lou's uh, presenting as like a hungry coyote. 
Yeah. And apparently also he memorized the entire movie to make it more like a play. And also, I know we mentioned the scene where, um, like, the rival footage is playing on the news and like he, he smashes the mirror. Apparently that was an improvised scene and he actually cut his hand. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah, so that's that why... Definitely... Yeah, that's why in the scene with him in the junkyard where he's trying to pitch himself for a job offer, he has his left hand behind his back the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. It was in a cast. What a guy. So it's he should have smashed that mirror. <laughs> <laughs> what else? The, we could talk about the actor Rick. I've seen him before. I need, oh, I need yeah, to, same. I need to so know. Was he in the social network, or have I made that up? He's in Venom. Oh, that's where oh, I've seen him before. <laughs> is he in the social yeah. network? I feel... Hmm. I may have made that he's up. No, it seems familiar. Venom. Yeah, yeah, he's the antagonist of Venom. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, where, where is he? Uh, Rick. Definitely different roles. Wait, no, that's... Within this. Riz Ahmed. Wait, wait, the news anchors were played by. Were they played by themselves? Oh, weird. Uh, very professional googling on the there job. There he is. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah I know. <laughs> <laughs> He's in Rogue One, as well, and Four oh, Lions, which I've not seen. Oh, who did he play in Rogue One? Can't remember. I don't know. Bodhi Rook. No. I don't know who that is. <laughs> No. <laughs> a bit of a yeah. different role from him being in Venom. In this, he did really well at being kind of the nervous, bumbling, anxious, like, every man that I think does well as as the thing that the audience can project themselves onto. So you're, you're kind of viewing everything from Rick's position where, I mean, you are a bit shocked of... Uh, Lou going, you know, speeding around the streets at first, but then you kind of think it's cool and you just get used to it. And so he's kind of the role of the audience, I think. Yeah. Because yeah. obviously we don't really get a say in anything that's happening either. And when he's going in to film the robbery and it's still going on and there's gunshots and everything, we're also like, what are you doing? <laughs> Even though we can see it, we're still like, what's going on? Yeah. But he does stuff in that scene, like moving the pictures on the fridge and stuff to try and. Oh, that that's that's the other the one. Situation a bit. That's the other home invasion. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, but he does do that, yeah. and yeah, they keep wanting him. I've just realized they keep wanting you to get interviews with people at the crime scenes, but he never does, and that might be a kind of way to show his sociopathy, and he doesn't feel like hearing people's sides kind of matters other than rather than showing these disturbing images that's what's going to draw people in so like yeah. a few yeah. times he does try to interview someone they're He's like really, really distressed and like just don't want to be talked to which completely makes sense yeah they're all very yeah. distressed and he's just coming across as quite aggressive and one of them is calling 911 and so the yeah. fact that he just couldn't pick up on that, those like social cues that like you shouldn't like be that aggressive if you want a decent interview, you know. Yeah. 
I mean, there's a line where he says something like, his problem isn't that he doesn't understand people, but he just doesn't like them. Yeah. So he's fully embracing the fact that he's cynical and he's basically capturing these scenes at the expense of others. Yeah, I mean, he's just a, a sociopath. Just found out yeah. that the, the, uh, the news director, she was Frigga in Thor. <laughs> a little fun fact for you. Okay. So, <laughs> the right. we we talked about the soundtrack and we didn't say who it was. It was James Newton Howard. There you go. He's done nice. many other things that you can find. Yeah. He was in Dante's Peak. That was a great. What well, either the music and also of like Hunger Games and loads of stuff. And Dante's Peak. Loads and loads and loads of stuff. And Dante's Peak. Yes. And Dante's favorite Peak. Film. Why do you love Dante's Peak so much? What's your favourite part of Dante's Peak? When the volcano explodes. (laughs) Is that the whole film? Yeah. No, I like the dog dies. Oh, wait, no. There was. Remember that scene when there was like two teenagers going to get a bit cheeky and like. um... (laughs) Was that Dante's Peak or was that the, the flood one? No, that was Dante's Peak because. It was oh, like, oh yeah, because it gets hot. They're like, oh, I can't remember the, the term from geography, but like, it gets hot and they die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that now. A similar yeah. one does happen in the flood bit, I think. <laughs> Same, it's all disaster movies. <laughs> anyway, the Nightcrawler. Is this another they detour? Had some, they had some interesting marketing things for Nightcrawler. So, as well as the trailers, they also released on like craigslist a um video resume of lou and they set up twitter and linkedin profiles for him and it was supposed to show how professional he was (laughs) and he just promoted video production news I mean, what yeah. what a great company name! So I was about generic. to say that. It felt like <laughs> yeah, at first I, I thought it... he was like just like making it up on the spot, and was just like, yeah. And and you're gonna cite me as Lou from Video Production News, but he actually <laughs> rolled with it. I'm like, I'm like kind of funny. I think yeah, it's kind of it could be showing cause... the fake nature of corporations, or or just the. Almost lazy way they set, they do things. Just, uh, you know, video production news. I mean, I thought no, it was not more la- like... no, not lazy, just devoid of interesting ideas. I mean, I thought yeah. it was more like he was, uh, so confident in his abilities to like manipulate people to, uh, to like give him a chance that he felt he didn't like need a professional name. That like him himself, he himself, his own personality and his own uh, character would be enough, which it did. It did seem to be, um, yeah. Because like it's kind of they... surprising though, because pretty much all like a lot of his dialogue and stuff is just quoted from things he's learned from the internet or yeah, yeah. He done, was. So... It sounded like he was reading like some motivational quotes off the internet. Yeah. Uh, and so you'd think surprised it worked on any of them. Business courses, then. Yeah. Come up with he has cool like a name. weird hierarchy of what people name him, although maybe I'm just reading too much into it, but 
when he goes to the news network, he lets them call call him Lou. But when oh. he's looking at hiring Rick, Rick calls him Lou, and then he corrects him and says Lewis. Yeah, and oh, I wonder yeah. if it's kind of like a signaling who's inferior to him yeah. and who has more power. Almost like you don't deserve to call me that name. Yeah, yeah. You've got to use a whole two syllables instead of one. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> That they spelt Lewis with like Louis. I don't. I don't understand. No, that that is a that is how it's sometimes pronounced Lewis. I'm yeah, I know. To... It's just yeah. I don't, I don't understand. Shout out, Lewis, by the way. Shout, Shout out, out to Louis Gawthorn. <laughs> Louis G. Um, I'm sorry. I I wanted to talk about this film so much because I really enjoyed it, but I just can't think of anything. So yeah, we've been so going for half an hour. Like... So. We well, can, I think oh, it's... the budget. I think it was eight million. So fairly. How did it small. perform? Yeah, uh, it got fifty like... million at Toronto Film Festival where it debuted. There wasn't Mark. really anything noticeable that would be too expensive, but. Um... Jake Gyllenhaal probably. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I definitely think that was like that was sort of the anchor of the film, his character and that was what really heightened a lot of the tension and a lot of the yeah. Re- yeah. emotional responses and like catharsis. I mean, I went yeah, into pretty... it because it said it was a thriller film and I was expecting something more like, because obviously there were very tense moments and stuff, but generally I would have associated thriller films with more like I don't know, robberies and drug deals and stuff, but from the perspective of the people doing it, this is sort of mm. a different take on that, given it's the the news media that's, like, the first to see what's going on, and they kind of control the narrative for the general populace. So I thought yeah. that was interesting. There are obviously tense moments and stuff, so I'd say Thriller's definitely apt, but it's... Um, a unique take on the genre and doesn't really fall into any of the tropes, which I thought was one of its strengths, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, its budget was eight and a half million and its worldwide gross was about 47 million. So nice. You know, so that's a, yeah, fairly small budget and not a massive gross, but I think it, it did quite well after, after, cinema releases as well i be- i believe because it's fairly popular on like imdb it's got quite yeah. a few reviews so uh, i think it had a kind of you know an upkick at some point of viewership i mean it helps that it's on netflix yeah uh, for it to get more viewership yeah cool so uh let's wrap it up then and see what we think we shall we shall well, i mean i know what i think but so do i <laughs> otherwise i wouldn't yeah, come so everyone else could find out what out. they think <laughs> yeah so i absolutely hated this film oh no oh no i've just been <laughs> deceiving you the whole time no way hmm Oh, so I, I just boosted up the website to check the every rating in order uh, page, which you can see if you go onto our website, which is entertainmentofexcellence.weebly.com. 
But um, yes. I've been quite busy the last week or so and have not updated it with the last two episodes. Oh, no. Oh. But I remember... Yeah. I remember I'm, I'm thinking of ending things with 7.9 and uh, I think what was episode 22? That was the two, two popes. popes. Yeah. That was, yeah, 23. That was a bit lower. Sevens? That was sort of, you, there was like 7.3 or something. Yeah, it was yeah. because it was on par with Hollywood. Yeah. Cool. cool. So who wants to go first? I'll go first. Well, I think it, it was very enjoyable. Good cinematography, good plot, good themes. Ooh. Ooh. So enjoyable and has a bit more to draw from. Uh, and it's definitely worth watching. You won't get bored. Great performances. All of that. All of that. I'm going to give it a 7.7. Seven. Point, uh, seven. Nice. Nice. For me, the the last, well, starting from like the second home robbery, all of that up to the end of the film was just so gripping and palpable. That, and some of the acting in this was some of the best I've seen recently. So uh, I had a, a couple of minor criticisms that we've talked about, but on the whole... I really, really enjoyed it, and I'm going to give it an 8. <gasps> Ooh. Well, I'm going to go same as Tom, 7.7, .7, because we've got the interview down as 7.6, and I think I enjoyed that just slightly more than this, but upon looking at the page, I gave that a 7.8, so I think 7.7 is about right. Uh, for me, because cool. it was it was good. It was had some great themes, some really really good acting. Um, it's just the reason it's like not low is not not anything wrong with the film. It's just that I think some of the films are better than it. So yeah, yeah. So that gives it a seven point eight in total. Wow, but making it the third film rated seven point eight. Ooh. <laughs> Um, Damn. Are there, are there recommendations? There is, because yeah. I've got one. How there is, but first. Spotlight. You, you always go on to the ratings, bro. We have to, <laughs> we have to repeat the same script of uh, Submission Spotlight every week <laughs> until someone actually submits. So if you are a creator of some kind of entertainment and you would like it featured on the podcast, then please send us you can email us, you can DM us on Twitter or Instagram. You can even just leave a comment. I don't know. The, there are lots of ways to get in contact with us. Uh, we're active on uh, pretty much everywhere, apart, well, apart from the website the last two weeks. Um, I'm sorry about that. Uh, we do have something we'll be doing next week, but after that, we are completely free. So whatever you want, uh, we're happy to dedicate a segment to it and give some constructive criticism, um, but also build your self-esteem up because we don't want to put you off. Um, so there's that. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll talk a bit more about what's going to happen next week as well. But first, 
we have recommendations. Yo, okay. So I thought I'd recommend a Jake Gyllenhaal film to be, you know, now we've got a theme. And it is actually, wait, I'm slightly worried I've put it as one of my favourites on the website. Oh, <laughs> uh, well, if if it is on there. So I, I recommended, I'm recommending Donnie Darker. It's not on there. Okay. Ooh. No. I don't, yeah, I don't think it should go on there, but it is an amazing film. Just don't know if it's in the top five, you know? So, Donnie Darko stars Jake Gyllenhaal, but uh, nine years younger. And it's... He, he's like a teenager who starts being... He starts seeing, like, a some guy in a buddy suit called Frank uh, who tells him that the world's going to end in... Uh, sorry, it's been a while since I've seen it. In, in a certain amount of time. And then Donnie Darko kind of develops these like weird supernatural things happen uh it's it's a really weird film and you'll want to watch it twice like we i watched it the first time and then i was like i need to watch it again so i watched it again like the next day uh because it gets it's, it's quite weird but if you if you watch it twice uh you may have to then look stuff up about it but you can kind of piece together what happened and it's just a really gripping story and it has a, a kind of satire element oh sorry it came out in 2001 so 13 years younger Jake Gyllenhaal but uh, it almost has a satire of how uh, youth in current society are viewed uh, and Donnie Darko himself is like a really interesting character and it talks about like the morality of you know sacrifice for the greater good and it's just it's really interesting you should watch it it's it's quite weird i don't know apparently it's it's listed as sci-fi fantasy i guess that's what it is but it's not like i don't know just watch it it's good <laughs> it's sometimes nice. on netflix <laughs> sometimes <laughs> i've got it on dvd because i'm cool they add oh. it to Netflix once a week and then just remove it. Before before we go <laughs> into like that, does it next? Speaking of Netflix, I'd like to interrupt with a quick announcement. Kangaroo Jack will be on Netflix oh, yeah. from <laughs> the beginning of October. So if you want to watch a amazing, no, 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 great, no. fun film for the whole family. What? Then watch <laughs> Kangaroo Jack. Then go back and watch no. our episode on it. I wish Kangaroo Jack a day USA had been on Netflix before I spent three pounds. <laughs> yeah. Is that what you're recommending? <laughs> <laughs> Worth every penny. A recommendation, Ben. Okay, so uh, I kind of have two. And <gasps> both of them, are, <laughs> right? That's both of them are music, and I'm currently reading a novel, which I'll probably have finished by next week. So is one of them nectar? It might be, possibly. <laughs> yes, it is. So it is Whoa. a groovy album from singer, songwriter, producer Joji, who was formerly known as Filthy Frank on YouTube, but has since built up uh, a huge music career. This is his second album. Uh, 
very cinematic in some songs, but very laid down, laid back in others. Seems to have a very cohesive sound, which is quite different to his last album, Ballads One. Uh, it's so the opening track I I absolutely love, uh, and it's produced by uh, Bacon and the Donuts, um, <laughs> which are a great name for a production team. It's basically this like cinematic orchestral uh, ballad, but it also has hard hitting hip hop drums, and that's sort of a theme that goes throughout throughout the whole album. So you've either got some a really cinematic sound with strings or a more laid back sound with uh, an acoustic guitar or um, jazz piano and sort of like more popular hip hop or uh, trap style drums throughout the whole album. And then the the big song that I think everyone's going to be talking about and it's going to be a big hit because it's doing really well on the charts and like Spotify at the moment uh, is Like You Do, which is essentially just a really stripped back piano ballad with some synth sound design in there with some great lyrics and very heartfelt. If you want a, if you want a good cry, then you can go and listen to that. <laughs> if you want to cry your hearts out, then listen to Nectar by Joju. And I mentioned Bacon and the Donuts for a reason, because they're like I'm. I'm obsessed with their production style. Like at the moment, they they sort of mix old and new sounds together with uh, these sort of like cinematic orchestral rock, um, but it's also with some psychedelic rock in there, and obviously with like hip hop beats that are more. Uh, prevalent at the moment and sort of all that mixes together and there's the the, the guy Bacon uh, which is spelt B-E-K-O-N um, has an album that he released in 2018 quite quietly on his own, like independently called Get With The Times and that's uh, basically the, sort of the stuff he's doing for other artists but on his own with his own songwriting and his own performance it's a great listen it also has some it also has a great song in there called mama olivia which uh has a, a great saxophone solo it's quite jazz inspired so yeah that's that's a great it sort of like calls on like a lot of 70s uh rock but like anything from like psychedelic to progressive and uh symphonic rock that's a big one but with like hip-hop beats and songwriting very reminiscent of like elton john or billy joel or someone so yeah that's groovy uh go and listen to nectar by joji which is a really big album at the moment and get with the times by bacon who's which is a really quiet album and kind of flopped in 2018 because he released it independently Great song cool. in there. I'll I'll just say this last bit. Great song in there is called America, which is just like layered uh, vocal harmonies, and that's actually sort of like an extended version of a track that appeared on Kendrick Lamar's "Damn," which, which he produced. So there are a like a there are a lot of like Kendrick Lamar fans that like want 
an extended version of the intro of that song. Basically, that's just what happens on his album. So that is groovy. Nice. Um, well, I don't really have much to say about my... Well, it's not really a recommendation, because to be honest, I didn't really like it. But... Wait, what? Um... <laughs> is it Kangaroo Jack? Good day, USA. <laughs> uh, so I don't know if this is a bit of a spoiler, but um, we have a pre-recorded episode, which we don't know when it will be coming out, but we watched The Irishman. And on mm. that episode, I said that I hadn't watched any other Scorsese films. Well, it turned out Ooh. I had watched Hugo, but... Yeah. Um, <laughs> so I watched Mean Streets. Oh, you shouldn't have started with Mean Streets. Oh, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> it was just a bit slow and dull. And yeah, I agree. I didn't really I was... like any mm. of the characters. or I didn't really like the story. But there were certain elements that were good, but on the whole... Uh, yeah, I think it had its moments, but overall it felt a bit slow and like nowhere near the dynamic intensity of like Goodfellas or something so yeah, definitely try and watch some more of his stuff like Goodfellas and Shutter Island uh, you'll definitely like those too I only watched it because it's like getting removed from Netflix at the end of the month so yeah, yeah. might as well but I guess watch it and form your own opinion if you want but I wasn't a massive fan Fair enough. So that's my recommendation. <laughs> Your recommendation in quotation marks. Cool. Right, well, we've still got a bit of time left, and I think we've, we're have we starting to do this thing where we're going to be doing... We're going to be giving telling you what we'll be doing the next week so you can watch it in advance, because that's what... Just common sense, and somehow we didn't think of it for like 22 episodes. <laughs> the last couple of weeks have been weird because we recorded two episodes in the wrong order, but flipped them because um, uh, I'm thinking of ending things was a bit more relevant at the moment, so we wanted to capitalise on the, the hype. And then we had a pre-recorded episode, as Ollie mentioned, with The Irishman. This is the first live we've done in quite a while. Um... But we can't tell you what film we'll be doing next week, because next week is our 25th episode, which is quite a milestone, given, according to Buzzsprout, most podcasts sort of tail off after seven episodes. Um, we tailed off after four, and then came back <laughs> two years later. <laughs> but we're still going, so... Uh, I don't know, I'm quite happy about that. And to celebrate, we're going to be doing a special episode where we're going to be going back through those four episodes we did um, and revisiting those films and, like, updating our ratings because, quite frankly, we were too generous, I think. Um, and that's not a bad thing because they were, to be fair, the first four episodes we did. It, it would just be cool to go back and look with... Uh, a bit more hindsight and having watched a lot of other films and done more podcasts. Um, yeah. And we'll also be doing a Q&A segment. So I'm going to be spamming all social medias with Ask Us questions now. 
um, be putting on the mailing list as well. So if you have any questions whatsoever, we'd be more than happy to answer them. Could be about the films we're doing, could be about the podcast itself. Uh, could be about I, us. Yeah, us personally. <laughs> um, I don't know, if you're like starting a podcast and what any advice you know we're probably not the greatest people to be <laughs> giving said advice we'll, we'll but, tell you anyway <laughs> but we've done 25 episodes and that's more than seven so um <laughs> yeah yeah and so yeah we'll we'll just be instead of doing a film we'll fill the first 40 minutes with uh looking back through the stuff we've done and q and a's just anything you'd like to know we'll we'll answer them um as long as they're appropriate and as always the submission spotlight is open so not for next week because we've got something but for like any episode after that um, we're more than happy to do that and we're happy to have you on the podcast to talk about your own work um, rather than us just like giving our opinions we thought it might be a bit more fun to like actually speak with you who created it that doesn't have to be live necessarily if you're not free at um 4 p.m british time on a a sunday um we're happy to pre-record if whenever is more suitable for you um but it'd be cool to like actually speak with some people that would be cool that would be cool. I've said that quite a few it times. Was. It would be cool. Would it be cool? Yes, it would be cool. Well, that's cool. That would be cool. <laughs> so, <laughs> before Ben gets stuck in an endless loop, that we could <laughs> end the episode. Yeah. So, follow us on social media at EOV Podcast on Instagram and Twitter. Go to our website, entertainmentofexcellence.weebly.com and sign up for our free newsletter. Um, you'll receive a couple of cool things including the schedule for the next few episodes and master doc with all of the recommendations we've ever done the links to buy them or stream them and again if you have any questions uh please let us know and we'll be happy to answer the next episode so thanks for listening all right see you all right see you Yeah, that's it.